Welcome back, nerds. We're the 12-sided guys. Here to my right, as usual, we have Matt voicing that sultry septuagenarian, Pine. Hi, baby. <laughs> okay. <laughs> One seat over, we have Scott playing Roos, the man with a mustache so perfect, everybody wants a ride. <laughs> baby, you know that's me. <laughs> to my left, we have Jordan. He voices the one and only Ebby. Ooh, salutations. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> when are we going to hear more about Ebby's polished rod? It's been too long. <laughs> <laughs> of course, in seat number four, we have Sabrina playing everyone's favorite muscle bound maven, Nari, a woman with a great axe and a great. Well, you know. Hey there, babe. <laughs> wait, wait, Paul. How, how much are we charging per minute for this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Meow. Two dollars for your first minute, dollar every additional minute. <laughs> and me, Paul, your guide on this voluptuous voyage. What? That didn't make sense? Well, that's just the kind of wild craziness you can expect from us here. Thanks for taking some time out of your busy schedule to pull up a chair, kick up your feet, and relax to the sumptuous, alluring tones of this podcast. We know you like what you're hearing. You keep coming back for more. So spread the word. Rate and review us and tell your loved ones. Don't be selfish and keep us all to yourself. This podcast is something to share. Your loved ones will be very, very appreciative. And if you want to show us how much we mean to you, you can always become one of our patrons on OnlyFans. I mean, Patreon. <laughs> Jeez. Or if you want to meet us, you can on September 22nd through 24th, 2022 at X. <laughs> we'll be dancing. <laughs> and what better place than that most intimate titillating city in the country? The Phuket of the West, Salt Lick City. Did I just say Salt Lick City? I don't know. Did I? Join us for a great time, but especially on Saturday the 24th when we're all together. We'll do a group thing afterwards. <laughs> so we're doing this. The orgy's finally happening. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if your bad fur day got a little bit better once you tickle the sunflower, then this podcast is for you. It's the Crystal Codex, episode 76. Well, welcome back, everyone, to the city of Calta. That was a tone change. <laughs> welcome back, everyone, to the city of Calta. <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. So we're doing this the whole episode, right? The sexiest city on the Sapphire Sea. <laughs> <laughs> welcome back to the 12-Sided Guys in the city of Calta. Last time we were together, we had some information gathering that occurred up north of the city at the inn called the Wooden Palisade. Right after Amarok, Ebby's wolf familiar, wolf flying wolf cat thing familiar, um, was shot by an un, uh, unknown assailant. Um, the 
party, Nari and the boys, they left their ceviche um, where it was and ran up uh, to the north to investigate. Um, when they got there, they found the deteriorating remains of a dark blue crystal that they had determined was actually an arcane crystal, just like what Roos used to use uh, back uh, earlier in the campaign. And the dark blue color they determined was actually illusion magic. Ebi and Nari went into the bar, into the wooden palisade. Nari bought everyone a drink while Ebi cast Detect Magic to try to determine if anything shady was going on within the confines of the tavern itself. All he detected, though, was a locked door um, kind of behind the bar and some kind of a, a secret meeting must have been going on. As they stayed in the bar, they did see um, the door open eventually and the rich man who Amarok had followed uh, up from the uh, temple of Lord Ornithor, um, along with his deacon Ormek servant, came out along with a blue-scaled kind of lizard folk type man who um, they went their separate ways. And uh, outside, Pine and Roos were investigating. Well, Pine was smoking a cigar while Roos investigated. And Roos determined that the assailant actually fled to the south and there was a very real chance that they had passed each other. So we split the party again. Pine and Ebby heading north to follow the rich man as he went out uh, around the inn and headed towards some farms. And they determined he probably lived at the furthest east farm the nicest, richest one with the large manor house. Um, Ebby was determined to go and rescue that Ormac right then and there, and Pine managed to talk him down, and they decided that they might do it maybe a little bit smarter as opposed to so um, brash and uh, uh, kind of aggressive and without a plan. Nari and Roos uh, headed south, trying to follow the unseen attacker um, as Roos had squire uh try to find what was the spell called again Roos? it's called squire where did i put that yeah exactly and they they chased after basically one of these shell casings from the gun that had um that had shot amrock they were looking for a, a similar one and the spell directed them south as they uh chased after an unseen um, an unseen figure. They managed to kind of spot the figure moving through the grass on the south side of the city, heading towards the forest that Pine had been warned was full of this massive, unseen, but angry and growling creature. Nari and Roos chased the assailant into the woods and had just come to a clearing when suddenly Boom, boom, there was this huge green dragon in their path. And that's where we stopped last time, except Roos had an amazing perception check, a 25. And as he was looking at this dragon, he saw buried in the dirt, kind of right around the feet of the dragon, just the slightest glint as light reflected off the a facet of a dark blue crystal buried in the dirt. So we have Ebby and Pine, I believe at this point are probably heading back towards the East Bridge Inn while Nari and Roos are confronting this dragon. So let's stick with Nari and Roos. I just want to say that we're the first people to encounter a dragon. So we kind of win this. Did we just win Dungeons and Dragons? 
<laughs> I mean, we've seen a lot of dungeons, but we haven't seen a lot of dragons. So, and know. technically, have you though? <laughs> That's the question. Nari, you see this dragon in front of you. It is like um, bulging muscles and wings are flexed and it is looking right at the two of you and it is like gnashing its teeth and growling and it actually takes one big step towards you and you hear this boom as it drops its foot. And Roos, you can't help but notice with your 25 perception, something that big hitting the ground that hard, you should not just hear it, you should probably feel it as well. And you feel nothing. Okay. Roos is going to sprint straight through the dragon. And as he does, he's going to he's gonna holler, how many more crystals have you got in your component pouch? Okay. Roos, you head towards this dragon. At this point with your perception, you see all of the inconsistencies. You see the light reflecting to the trees and how this dragon's shadow is not quite right. The scales are not quite moving perfectly like you would expect them to. Um, basically, this is an illusion. And this illusion is very, very good, but not good enough for you and you sprint towards this dragon. It rears up and it looks like it's about to come down and bite you and you run right through its leg and out the other side. Nari, you see this happen. And as soon as you see Roos run through the illusion, suddenly the illusion, it's still there, but it doesn't trick you anymore. Okay, well, I just wanna to say to be fair, Nari would have started running after Roos as soon as he started running. Yeah, you see, you see him running towards this huge creature, and you're like, uh, "I trust you, Roos. I trust you." And then he goes right, right, right through it, and <laughs> and yeah, yeah, it's not really there. She obviously doesn't have the perception either, so she would have like unswung her axe and just like screamed, like really, like ah! as like Roos is like running towards it, like just I don't know, like yeah, you gotta protect this dude, and then would have like kind of lol'd as she like swung through nothing awesome big old whiff and a miss um the dragon continues to roar and bellow and turns and looks at you and shakes its head and stomps the ground and you hear it and you can feel it like sound waves but you don't feel that thumping of the earth as you continue to head southwest until through the trees you see um sort of some stone walls and some ruins kind of sticking up and you come to a clearing in the forest where there is this at least part of this old building it looks like an old kind of ancient cathedral and um this first part that you come to you can see that further on in the trees there is more of this structure this structure at one point was massive this huge ancient building um you can see stones have toppled walls are still standing in many places but there's other walls that have totally tumbled down there's places where the grass has kind of grown up over the stones trees are growing up inside of it but you get to this kind of it's kind of a squared off area where it looks like some of this structure is still standing um and you can see where the doorway was and there's a path leading right up to it if there wasn't a dragon bellowing behind you and somebody with a gun that had been shooting at um, a little tiny wolf cat creature, um, this would actually be a very kind of picturesque place. Very uh, kind of a, I described it a couple of episodes ago, sort of like 
pastoral type, you know, like in a picnicking spot. Yeah, exactly. Like a picnicking type of a spot. And it actually used to be that before this quote unquote dragon moved into the forest. Can we tell that someone ran through here, like the person who we're tracking? At this point, you can't. The dragon kind of um, slowed you down just a little bit, but like you could, you followed it here. You followed the the sounds of the trees and stuff here, and then you did hear like the sound of some boots hitting stone, or like um, you know, like a uh, uh, like the tiles that are still um, here in this in this uh, this cathedral. But once you get here to the cathedral, you guys, at least at this point, you've lost you know, quote unquote, sight of the figure. So here you are. You guys are outside of this cathedral. Um, Pine and Ebby are back at the Eastbridge Inn. Um, and I imagine that you guys have gone back into that private dining room. Your food is there. It's slightly cold now. Or I guess ceviche is always cold. Yep. It's slightly room temperature. Yeah. <laughs> it's slightly room temperature. Yes. Which is also fine for ceviche. As long as it's not been sitting out for a long time. Perfect adventuring meal. You can leave it there and come right back to it. And it's totally fine. There's never a problem eating old raw fish. <laughs> the pile I left in the streets is still good, too, I bet. Oh, gosh. All right. Well, we're going to stick with Roos and Nari um, at this point. Um, so at this point, also, Roos and Nari, you guys are over a mile away from Pine and Ebby. So even, I believe, that's as far as Squire can go, correct? Yeah. So yeah, so you guys are out of range. Your your telepathic communications. Oh heck. It's all right. We're not here to fight. As you approach this building, you can see that the front the f- front facade of this building is basically still standing, and there is a a doorway basically straight, kind of right in the middle. Um, and you can see that um, uh, it looks like that is a way to get into the kind of interior of this cathedral space. Um, as you um, as you are looking around, you can see that kind of straight ahead, there's this kind of depression. It looks like um, sort of like a step down, uh, a recess in the floor. And then there's like an altar in the middle of the recess, but that altar doesn't have anything on it. It looks like whatever was there, if it was like a valuable statue or something, is long gone. So there's like these little little pieces of um, of architecture that you can tell, like a little pedestal here probably had a statue and like this little um, other pedestal may have had like, uh, you know, I don't know, a crown or some kind of other relic, um, but it's all gone at this point. I'll swing around from the backside. You come in on in the front. All right. Do you want me to uh, make some noise to create a distraction or should we both be sneaking? I, I plan on sneaking around, but maybe you try and just draw them out. Yeah. I don't think we should fight them. I want to know what's going on. I mean, it's not a bad plan, but I think we should expect to fight whomever this is. But yes, no, I will uh, I will go in heavy booted. I'll be on the other side. So, um, Roos, are you gonna, you're going to be sneaking, so you're going to be doing like half speed. Um, and Nari, you're just going to go in and make some noise? Yeah, but I'm going to like pretend like I'm sneaking. Okay. Like, I'm going to, like, you know, like the big obvious, like, cartoon steps kind of thing. (laughs) Hiding under a desk that's smaller than you. I mean, that actually happens and works great. But something similar to that, yes. There was a Saturday Night Live sketch um, where Will Ferrell was playing a spelling bee, uh, whatever, a a judge, whatever, uh, the uh, the MC. Your word is corpuscle. 
Yes, and he had forgotten his cards. And at the end, he goes, hey, what's that? And he turned around and he did the big sneaky, like, sneak away. Um, and I imagine that's what Nari's kind of doing, like the big over, overly dramatic, like, step, step, you know. Um, okay, well, very good. Why don't you guys show me then on the map where you guys are going? Roos, you're going around. You're going to go up to the north around or you're going to go down to the south? I'm going to go around to the south. It looks like there might be a little bit more coverage. And uh, Roos got a 24 in his stealth. Perfect. Uh, let me make a roll. As you guys are sneaking around, let me here. I've got to pull something up here real quick, and I'm not going to tell you what it is, um, but it's going to take me just a second. Sorry, guys. Talk amongst yourselves. Give our patrons something to laugh about. Coffee talk. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about coffee and dogs and going to the park. It's coffee talk. So anyway, Abby, if I remember correctly, the reason why I was craving ceviche is because I smelled like salt water from that temple bath thing. Uh, it's not really hitting the spot. I'm going to see if they have any other raw fish dishes. What is it about fish in particular that's so appealing, especially raw fish? Is it like the texture? Cause they're, or is it like a sliminess? Or... So, like, would other slimy animals taste just as appealing? Because there are these, like, slugs and other things that I've seen. <laughs> Eel is actually very tasty, but I was going to say that um, I think it's more to do with um, fish feels very um, clean and lean in your mouth. Um, and also, prepared correctly, it flakes really um, delicately. Oh, okay. Interesting, interesting. And then there's the flavor. I mean, it just, it smells like old gym socks, but it's delicious. Oh, I mean, that's, that's wonderful for you and for others that enjoy these things. I don't feel like I'm missing out. I'll be <laughs> honest. Well, I mean, you used to be like a bird thing, right? Did you like do pellets? Do you know? Have you ever asked like rodents and... You know, I haven't really given it much thought. I mean, some, some birds will, like, eat seeds and berries and, and fruits and things, but others are all about, like, mice, and then they puke the, the bones out. No, I'm imagining giant humanoid, like, <laughs> human-shaped and sized, like, bird people that are, like, stooped over pecking at the ground to get little seeds out. <laughs> Sometimes we call to each other loudly in the mornings. <laughs> Paul, you keep trying to go, but we're but we're having a conversation. Yeah, no, fine. Never having this are having this this very interesting conversation back at the uh, East Bridge Inn with no clue that Nari and Roos are investigating an old rundown cathedral. We're literally fighting for our lives out here for you guys, but happy that you're talking about bird banging. <laughs> Eating. Yeah, there's going to be a moment when you guys are going to be in like pitched combat and it's going to flash back to us over here in the inn. And I'm going to be like, and then so I said, look at the plumage. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you had to be there. <laughs> <laughs> Roos is sneaking around to the south. Um, Nari, you have made it up to the door of this uh, cathedral and um, you're kind of looking in. As you look in, you can see that sort of um, it's a kind of open in here um besides that depression that's kind of straight uh straight ahead of you you can see that um off kind of to the south it looks like there's like a a pit 
of some kind. Maybe it was an old stairway or something that is covered up with like wooden planks. Um, up to the north, there's a stairway that's totally busted up that led to a second story that no longer exists. And then further um, kind of to the west, because the entrance is here on the on the east side to the west you can see like there's a, a round tower of some kind that has kind of fallen in on itself and then there's a square kind of uh corner building uh some kind of room or something that's on the south side like there's actually a door and the door seems to be intact and the door is currently shut um, but this is all open to the sky um you know there is uh you know the shadows of trees and things are kind of uh filtering you know over this space Nari, that is what you see here with this cathedral as Roos is slowly sneaking around and keeping his eyes peeled. Um, Pine and Ebby, what's going on back at the East Bridge Inn? So, I mean, we we joked about talking about ceviche and birds, what, what bird people eat and stuff. But I think Pinewood, after those kind of pleasantries, be just straight up look at Ebby and say, Ebby, tell me, what's... What is going on right now in your mind and in your heart? It it just feels like there's so much weight. It's like I'm standing on it's like I'm standing at a at a dam or at a at a um a levee and there is an ocean of fear and anxiety and anger and it's all just violently crashing on the other side and it feels like I'm the only one standing there trying to hold it back that must feel absolutely crushing you know there's not much that I have in terms of memories um, or sensations really even from my time before being in this body but feeling that that immense pressure and then having no means to relieve it having no means of 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 sleeping and resting or even closing your eyelids to even just cry and scream out i can't even take a deep breath do you understand what that's like to constantly feel almost like you're suffocating. There's a part of your soul that wants to breathe deeply and try to relieve some of this tension. And your body is a prison. No, I haven't. I haven't. I know that this feeling has been growing for some time. And I apologize for not being more forthright with the group. But in all honesty, I don't know what to do about it. I don't know that anything can be done about it. It feels to me that the only thing that gives me any solace or comfort is the thought of liberating more of my people. That maybe by freeing them, any of them, each one that I'm able to liberate is maybe a justification for all of this uh, pressure that I feel that maybe it'll be worth it if I can just help a few more. When I failed that bishop back in Arkelvi, I can't tell you the weight of guilt that I felt there. The panic that, that filled my heart. It's like 
I'm on the edge of losing control. And to be fair, I don't know what it feels like to be in your body. Rawr. <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned earlier that I have had not the same by any means, but I think I've felt similar feelings of powerlessness. I don't have great answers for how to deal with that. All I can do is let you know that I'm here for you. And I, and, and if nothing else, I'll just be the, be the one that you can come to and I will say, Ebby, that sounds so hard. And I will, if you would, if you would, I'll cry for you and sit with you. Your companionship, the friendship that you've shown me, it has been the one ray of hope that I've had the years that I've been awake. You and the, and the others, without you all, I am lost. I began to feel it when we were separated for those five years. It is good that we are back together. I wish that I was in a stronger, more stable place. I feel that in many ways being selected as Moshe's avatar has been as much a curse as it has been a blessing. And I saw Roos deal with his own curse, how he was able to eventually find some relief. And I was jealous of him. And that made me feel guilty that I would think of this gift as a burden that I wish I could be rid of. I'm grateful for you being here with me now. And perhaps there will come a time when all of this fear that so permeates all of this world and, and fills my whole being, perhaps that will be alleviated. Perhaps that will subside. Perhaps there will be a break in the storm clouds. Ebby, as you say, a curse and a blessing, you hear Neum mumbling again, but this time you can hear some of the words he's saying, and he says, a curse and a blessing. More a blessing or more a curse. And then a pause, and then more a curse. Pine will, um, Pine will say, that feeling of, of jealousy for Roos, that doesn't make you a bad person. We've all been jealous of Roos's mustache. <laughs> Bruce didn't hear it. He wasn't there. <laughs> it flows like the light of the sun. It flows. Ebby, <laughs> can I share with you something that I've never shared with anyone else? I would be honored. Something that I've kept to myself, and I think something that I've learned to constructively deal with. As you know, at the end of my wife's life, she was, I don't want to use the same words you did, but for lack of a better expression, she was a prisoner in her own body. She didn't remember us. She couldn't do things for herself. She was simply there. And there were moments of lucidity. 
But for her family, for her loved ones, it was a time of pain and work and frustration and loss. I mourned the loss of my wife while she was still in my bed. That sounds incredibly difficult. But when she passed, I kept trying to tell myself that I was, I was happy and, and, and I was happy for the relief of her suffering. But really what it was, was I was relieved that I didn't have to take care of her anymore. I didn't have to see her suffering and suffer for her. And, and that guilt ate me alive until I realized that she wouldn't want me to feel that way, not for her. She would, at least I hope she would, have wanted me to live the rest of my life and to try to find joy where I could and to, that she truly would have felt at peace, no longer being, how do I say this? No longer burdening her family. So I understand that feeling of jealousy, that feeling of wanting an end to your own suffering, it's not necessarily a bad thing. And I'm sure that if Roos knew how you felt in that moment, he would tell you the same. That he would work tirelessly to help you feel the relief that he has felt. And I too will work tirelessly to help you feel the resolution that I've learned to live with. I am so grateful for your generosity and kind spirit. It is the single greatest source of strength that which you provide and and the others, the support that you provide, there are times I don't realize just how much I depend on it to keep going. I love you, Ebby. And I, you, Pine. Ebby's gonna reach forward and try to do one of those cool, like, grab him by the forearm, handshake things. Nice. Pine will totally do the same thing back. How much eye contact are you guys making? Unbreaking eye contact. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ebby I doesn't would... have eyelids, so it's just <laughs> constant stare right into the depths of your soul. And then the server is standing there um, like, so se- separate checks? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, though, so if you if anybody is interested in exploring, like if you haven't had personal experience with that kind of loss or that kind of feeling that I was expressing, um, there is a fabulous book called A Monster Calls that uh, is an easy read. I read it all in one night and I was just bawling by the end. My grandma has dementia right now. Mm. It's tough. Yeah. Yeah, we're dealing with some of that in our family too. Well, that was a very sweet uh, moment with Pine and Ebby. All right, back to the cathedral and some things not so sweet. Nari, you are facing this cathedral as Roos slips around to the south. Roos, on, on the south side, as you're kind of sneaking around, you can see there's lots of trees, there's rocks, there's fallen over logs and stuff. Um, and it looks like, um, kind of from where you're standing, um, some of these walls look accessible, and then some of the walls look like they are still pretty dang sturdy. Nari, what are you doing? You are still standing by the door, waiting to go into the cathedral. Nari is going to move forward again, like pretending to sneak, but like not actually sneaking. Okay. She's going to move towards the entrance of the cathedral and get as far as she can while, like, pretend sneaking. 
Um, so you're going to kind of bypass that kind of depression area, kind of head a little bit further south, it looks like, towards that closed door that is kind of in one of these uh, walls that is still kind of, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Still still intact. Um, this this kind of room or whatever it is off this section of the cathedral looks looks relatively intact. And Roos, you are sneaking around to the south. What are you doing? My intention is to try and come from like the south um, west side of the building and kind of come from the opposite side of Nari. No, okay, so as you sneak around on this southern side of the building, you can see that this, uh, so I'm describing this kind of this room that's still intact um, to Nari from her vantage point and from your vantage point as you come around the kind of the the south and over on the west side, you can see that there is like a window looking into this room, but the window has kind of caved in a little bit, so you can't really see. But around on the south side, it looks like part of the wall has fallen in, but it has actually been replaced with some like wooden timbers, kind of rough cut. Uh, somebody has reinforced this room. And you can see here on the west side of this room, there is another door. So there is a door on the east side that Nari is kind of looking at. And there is a door on the west side that Roos can see. And they're both closed. What can I see into this room? Does it look like there's anything in there? Um, as you can, you can kind of see between the um, the 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 uh, timbers that have been put up uh, because it's 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 a rough job. This is not uh, professional uh, masonry work or anything like that. You can see it looks like this room is you know about twenty feet by twenty feet. Um, it looks uh, like I said most of the walls are are, are intact and in fact th this is one of the sections of the cathedral that still does have a roof. But as you look in, you can see it looks like there's a staircase um, kind of set in the floor going down underneath the cathedral and really that's it that's the only thing that you can actually see in this uh room okay so we have two doors east side and west side nari is going to keep moving forward towards the door okay again kind of trying to like pretend like she's sneaking but really like creak open that door okay you go up and you step up to the door Nari, I need you to make a um, dexterity saving throw. Oh no. I am going to use my <laughs> superiority dice to um, rethrow that because it was a four. Oh my gosh. Let's try that again. Oh, oh no. <laughs> okay, so that was a two, so uh, yeah. Okay, Nari, as you go to step up and put your hand on the door to open it, suddenly you take a step, that last section of floor right before the door suddenly your foot touches the stone but there is no stone and you try to catch yourself before you fall into a pit and you instantly take eight bludgeoning damage as you fall 15 feet and you take four piercing damage as you manage to miss most of the spikes at the bottom of this pit so a total of 12 damage as you fall into this pit that, before you fell, looked just like the stone. Nari is going to curse very loudly, like, oh, heck, I've fallen. Oh, my goodness, this hurts. Oh, gosh. Oh, heck. Uh, Roos, you can hear that, and you actually you heard the like what the, and then you hear the slam, and then you <laughs> you hear you hear Nari complaining, and 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 you can tell you don't need to do an insight check. Some of it's real. <laughs> it's not all an act. Some of this is real. Ouch. 
So I'm trying to listen for someone else's reaction to this. Okay. While she's, you know, hollering and and falling, I'm trying to see if I can perceive movement or somebody else responding to it. Why don't you make a perception check then? Uh, 19. You hear the slap, slap, slap getting quieter and quieter and quieter of feet on stone. And as you're glancing into the um, into this room through the slats between the boards, you um, are fairly certain somebody is moving down that staircase. Okay. Roos is, I'm still sneaking. I'm going to try and sneak into this room and down the staircase. Okay. How are you going to get into the room? Isn't there a door right next to me right here? There is. There's also a door right in front of Nari. I'm just wondering if you're going to go through the door or what you're going to do. <laughs> and I think Nari will be very much exaggerating her like issues. <laughs> if, if that helps Roos sneak at all. I don't know. <laughs> Nari, it's okay to cry when you're hurt. It's okay. My leg, I'm dying. Oh, God, why? (laughs) (laughs) So, Roos, you're going through the door. Yeah, I'm going to go through this door right here. Um, You reach for the door handle and it is locked. GG. I'm going to reach into my pocket and pull GG out and put her up to the lock. Perfect. Yeah, Gigi gets out looking kind of sleepy like, uh, you know, she's been she's been just chilling for the last couple of episodes. I feed her in between sessions like she and I hang out. (laughs) How did she like the ceviche? Did she think it didn't have enough salt too? (laughs) Yeah, actually, the reason I had two handfuls is one was for me and the other was for Gigi. Oh, adorable. (laughs) That's sweet. So Gigi got a 21 on her uh, lock picking. Oh, yeah, not a problem. In fact, Gigi goes to the lock and then kind of looks back at you and then scuttles around and through the slats and goes to the other side of the door and just opens it from the other side. (laughs) (laughs) It was a pretty minimalistic lock. But um, but yeah, 21 will open that lock. Not a problem. Okay, so then I'm going to sneak in and start descending, descending the staircase. Nari is still in this pit. It is 15 feet down. Nari, if you're going to climb out, I need an um, athletics check. Difficulty, um, so let's see, you're climbing a sheer wall. I think that's a difficulty like 15. Before I do an athletics check, can I like do a perception to see if there's someone like in the vicinity to like tell if someone's actually paying attention to my, my cries? Sure thing. So that was a 21 perception. You don't hear um, anything um, at this point. You can, with your 21 perception, you can barely hear the sound of Roos entering the the room. I imagine you guys are communicating telepathically uh, using Squire. So you know that that's him coming into the room and you don't hear anybody else. This this pit that you fell in is basically five feet by five feet, um, you know, square. And then it's 15 feet deep with spikes at the bottom. Okay, well, as long as I don't hear anything, I will try to climb out. 17 um, athletics. Yeah, I imagine that you're so tall that part of it, you just jump as high as you can. And then you're, you know, at that point, uh, you're, you know, your hands are, you know, 11 or 12 feet off the ground. Then you just have to like climb an extra couple of feet before you get up, get your hands up to the edge of the the pit and manage to haul yourself out. And you are um, kind of now on the... Uh, outside of the pit and the pit is right directly in front of the door. If you can kind of reach, if the door is, you know, if you could, if it's not locked, you could probably open the door and then kind of hop over the pit. No problem. And get into the room with Roos. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I will do that. Um, you go to reach for the handle and this door is not locked. 
And as Roos is starting to go down the stairs, Nara, you jump over the pit and you join him in this small room, looking down a staircase. And the first thing that you guys notice is that the staircase, it looks like, is filled with spiderwebs. Not again. Oh, I'm worried if we go back for the others that we'll lose the person we're trailing. Spiderwebs, we call those spider butt rope doilies. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, grab on. Give it a tug, please. <laughs> Jeez. Paul, you set the tone. You set the tone with the intro. Yeah. This is your fault. This is your fault, Paul. Do you think the person we were following is actually a, a spider boy? No. I don't know why they would have attacked Amarok. It doesn't make sense. And why would they be hiding out here in the middle of the forest? Do you think maybe the spiders are an illusion like the dragon was? That would be cool. I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> would you like me to go first or would you like to? I think you could go first. All right. <laughs> Okay, uh, let me look this up because the spider web is 100% real. Boo! <laughs> Do you think they allow cigars in here? <laughs> I mean, I don't see why not. They have a fire right there that's smoking up the joint, so why not? I forgot how much I like these. I and mean, the, the taste is okay, but don't I look so cool smoking? Isn't smoking the coolest thing ever? <laughs> <laughs> so cool. <laughs> What would you like to try? Um, sure. Ebby's weird little mouth tube pops out that we haven't seen since the very beginning of the entire <laughs> campaign. And he puts it delicately up to the end of the cigar. And I think he blows on it like air comes out. He doesn't inhale anything and it just kind of blows on the cigar. He's like, that's very tasty. Mm. <laughs> Uh, having never smoked a cigar myself, I have no idea how what words I would use to describe it. So all I've got is like minty, huh? But I'm pretty sure cigars aren't minty. <laughs> I think the words you would use to describe smoking a cigar for the first time would be. <coughs> <coughs> it has an earthy tone with with after after notes, uh, uh, an oaky afterbirth. <laughs> <laughs> We cut back to Nari and Ruse. Descending the staircase into these spiderwebs. Ruse, you go first. I'm going to need you to actually make a dexterity saving throw. That's a nat 20 for a 27. Okay, Ruse, um, you uh, managed to... Uh, kind of wind your way through these webs. It's, they're very thick. Um, but, you know, I don't know, like Limbo uh, Champion or something, you start... I'm thinking more entrapment, real sexy and like ass up in the air, oh, you know, yes. like weaving through of them. You Catherine Zeta-Jones this. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. You managed to get actually down this staircase um, as Nari begins to struggle with the webbing. You come into this small room. It's about it's about 15 feet wide and it's about um, uh, to kind of 20 feet um, north to south. Nari, I'm going to need you to also make a dexterity saving throw. Clearly, I'm very good at this um, and I rolled a 12. You are restrained. You get stuck in the spider webs. Roos! Roos! <laughs> no! Now it's like Sean Connery trying to do it. 
I've tried to put my ash up in the air, but my ash won't go in the air. (laughs) (laughs) These aren't illusions, Roos! You didn't put your ass high enough in the air when you were going over that one. Not all of us are as thick as you. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you're stuck in the webs as you start calling out for Roos. Roos, as you get into this room, you actually, you can see that like, here on the floor coming up through the webbing here kind of as the the webs kind of go down the staircase and then they um and then they kind of disperse once you get into this room but this room is kind of coming up from the floor there's this yellow kind of stinky fog coming up and it kind of starts to smell bad and you can kind of gets in your nose and it's pretty bad and i need you to make a constitution saving throw oh my goodness all right all of these saving throws are difficulty 16. Oh, I got a six on that one. You begin throwing up violently. Oh, the ceviche. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it all just comes up. It wasn't salted enough. Okay. Um, Nari, I'm going to need you to make another dexterity saving throw. Or I, I think I'll let you make a... Let's see what the spell actually says. You can make a strength check, difficulty 16, to break free. Oh my gosh, well, heck yeah, that was a 26. A 26 for strength. Okay, you managed to break free, and with your muscles, you managed to to kind of like stumble your way down these stairs and right into this stinking cloud of nauseousness. And I need you to make a constitution save now as you enter this stinking cloud. So, Abby, I mean, do you, how do you think they're doing? I, they probably don't need us. I'm not sure, but I know that the odds of successfully navigating a dungeon while the party is separated are approximately 3,720 to 1. (laughs) They wouldn't be stupid enough to go into a dungeon by themselves. Could you imagine if there was one protected by a dragon? Yes, that would be a really silly thing to do. (laughs) God, Roos, did you fart? Uh, my constitution save was 16. Oh, so Nari managed to save. You feel that you're kind of like the bile starting to rise up in your throat. Kind of, You kind of suck it back down. You can see through this cloud, um, Roos is so busy like vomiting and just being ill. You can see that straight ahead on the north wall, there is actually a door. That's what you see in this room. There's a staircase going back up the way you came. And there is a door basically straight ahead. Can I grab Roos as I like head towards that door? Uh, yes, you can. Okay. You go to the door and you, what are you going to try to do? Well, I'm going to grab Roos and I'm going to head towards the door and I'm going to try to open that. Um, it is locked. Heck. <laughs> Just so everyone's aware, anybody who's run like a dungeon or anything, um, this is all like on the level. Okay. This is all like uh, playing by the rules. Well, it's hilarious. Is there any way for me to, or can I try to like bust down the door? You can. Yes, you can. That's what I'm going to try to do. It's definitely a thicker door, but it does look old. It looks like it's kind of, well, not old. It looks like it's been kind of pieced together. Um, But when you hit it, so first go ahead and see if you can hit it with like an AC of 12. I'm pretty sure you can do that. Wait, sorry. You just want me to like attack it? Just roll an attack. Oh my gosh. So that is a 16 to hit. That will hit. Now, um, as you hit, you can tell that this door is stronger than it should be. You feel like you can still break it, but um, it's going to actually be harder to break because there is some kind of magic upon it. So go ahead and do some damage. 
The damage I did was only eight. Can I use like my uh, like second attack or not? Nah? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, you you can just keep swinging, but eventually you're still standing in this cloud. After this attack, you're gonna have to make another check, and then Roos is gonna get to make his check to see if he can kind of stop vomiting. I did three damage, so I'm not doing great. So, um, oh, you did, no, you did eight damage. Okay, but it was eight damage both times, so that's only sixteen. That's only 16. Um, you feel like you're making some progress, but now I'm going to need you to make a constitution check. And then, Roos, I'm going to need you to make another constitution. Uh, oh, sorry, constitution save. And, Roos, you make a save. The uh, Roos is retching more. There's no more ceviche, but it's like he's still trying to get out the rest of his stomach contents. Oh, Nari rolled a 20 for her constitution. Somebody get Roos some saltines and ginger ale. <laughs> <laughs> The uh, the retching continues for Roos. Nari, you managed to still fight it off. It smells terrible down here. The only thing that keeps you going is knowing that the spider webs um, are not on you anymore. That you can handle the stinky cloud um, as long as there's not spider webs all over you. So go ahead and make two more attacks if you're going to try to take this door down. Yeah, Nari is going to like redouble her efforts and try to get this door down. Not twenty for twenty nine. Okay, we'll say with a nat 20, we don't even need to roll damage. You hit this door and it explodes. You can feel as you as you uh, hit the door, you can feel like a poof, like a pop of energy. Um, and you can see uh, as the door kind of falls in, um, you can see a tiny little crystal that had been like shoved in between the boards. You can see it kind of tumble out of this broken door. And when it hits the ground, it shatters and loses its power. Was it blue? No, this one was actually orange. Man, in a post-shattering economy, this place must cost thousands. Pine is not there, but that thought does not escape Nari's thoughts. Now, not thousands. These are pretty small crystals. Roos, if he were not retching, would know that, I mean, this crystal probably would have been enough to cast like a level two spell, right? Nothing super powerful um, and like a one time use type of a, a type of a thing for certain spells. But um, but still expensive. Um, the door comes busting off. Nari is going to focus her energy just like busting through that door, dragging Roos through it. And then, like, slamming it shut to try to, like, stop those, like, weird gases from making us even more sick. Well, we'll say that the gas actually does not leave that first room. But as you go into this hallway, suddenly you are, it's, it's, it's dark, like, very, very dark in here. You can't see more than just a few feet ahead of you. And you realize as you enter into this hallway, it's actually filled with, like, this thick, thick fog, um, not a stinking fog like you had just dealt with, but like an actual fog that makes it very difficult to see. Um, Nari is going to use her like spell to uh, to be able to see. So she's just going to kind of cast it probably honestly on just like her glove or something so she can kind of see ahead of her. You're going to cast the light spell, huh? Yes. It does nothing for you. This fog is not affected by the light. You can tell now that the fog is not actually dark. Um, the hallway is just dark. The fog is actually just fog. But it is so thick that you cannot see more than just a few feet in front of you. 
So I've been playing the South Park game, the fractured butt hole. <laughs> I think you said it wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I was like, I, my my first thoughts were, no, you gotta you gotta get uh, Stan in there with his sandblaster and plug it into your butt and rip a fart and blow away this fog. <laughs> I do not think I have that ability. If you played the game, you know. <laughs> So anyway, 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 you guys are in this hallway. We'll say that you drag Roos in. Roos, now that you're not in the um, in the uh, the stinking cloud anymore, you're not throwing up anymore. Um, we'll say that you manage to kind of get over it, but you as well cannot see more than just a few feet in front of you. you can, in fact, you can barely see Nari ahead of you. Okay. The the hallway appears where Nari's at anyway to continue to head north. And I am holding on to him like he doesn't just have to follow me. I'm I'm dragging him behind me. <laughs> okay. Nari, you take a step forward. And as you do, suddenly next to your ear, um, coming from the wall, you hear a voice. And the voice says, turn around if you want to live. Who goes there? You turn and you you look to see who's standing there. And it's literally a solid stone wall. Nari will kind of shout into the ether and just say, who goes there? Come and talk to me like a, a human. And then I went and I said to him, you know, it wouldn't be as sticky if you just kept your finger out of there. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I get it. But I mean, so that's how they reproduced? <laughs> That was my understanding, and I sat there for a long time, and I watched them the whole time, so I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Back to Nari and Roos in this hallway. Um, Nari, you just heard a voice. What are you going to do? You're going to turn around? You're going to keep going? I'm going to keep holding on to Roos, and I'm going to keep going forward, but I am going to kind of like shout into the ether and say, who are you? Like, talk to us. As you um, take a step forward and Roos then enters the same spot you were just standing, Roos, you hear the same thing right right next to your ear coming from the stone wall you hear, turn around if you want to live. Almost like a recording. I was just going to (laughs) say, Roos, did you hear that same thing? Yeah, there's magical traps all over the place. So let's just press on cautiously. Um, you get uh, to a point where uh, suddenly it looks like it opens up in front of you and the hall actually ends straight ahead and there is a branch that goes to the left and a branch that goes to the right. Left or right? I don't know. You tell me. You're the one who was uh, tracking. Uh, the squire's not helping me right now. Further split the party. <laughs> Subdivide. Let's just let's start left. All right. Well, if you think left is the best way, I, I don't know. I'm just I'm just guessing here. But let's go left, and then we'll come back to the right if we need to. Nari, you step into um, the kind of the the branching of the hallway where you can go either left or right. Nari, make a wisdom saving throw. Difficulty sixteen. I'm gonna be honest. I am not that into all of these saving throws, but I did make a twenty one. You feel like, you know, it would probably be a good idea to head back to Kelta, but you manage to shake that off. As you turn and head to the left, Roos then enters that same space. Roos, make a wisdom saving throw, please. Difficulty 16. That's a nat 20 for a 27. Here, you, you get this feeling you should probably head back to Kelta. No, 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 I'm not, I'm not going back to Kelta. Um, you, you detect that 
that attempt at enchanting you um, pretty easily. You continue on this hallway to the left. Man, I've got some mad bad vibes about this hallway. Every trap that we go through makes me feel like there's something very important up ahead. We're going to be so rich. (laughs) (laughs) As you head down this hallway to the left, um, you can see that it ends at another door. Um, Nari, I'm not going to make you have to roll again. This door is also locked. So either you can bust it down like you did the last one, or Roos, you can attempt to pick it. But because you're not in like the stinking cloud or anything, eventually you guys will succeed. You want to let Gigi take care of this guy? Yeah, Roos will pull Gigi out and have, uh, have her take care of it. So the difficulty to pick this lock is going to be 26 um, because the spell difficulty is 16, but it's an arcane lock, which adds an extra plus 10. So 26 difficulty to pick the lock. Gigi got a 29. What a good girl. Oh, perfect. Gigi looks just a little bit like um, not um, not shocked, not even confused or anything. Just kind of like, oh, this is new. Like you get this impression that Gigi's like, oh, a magic lock. Well. Let's see what we can do. And then makes... She's getting bored with the mundane locks. Magic tastes good. <laughs> makes very quick work of it with her tongue. Tick, tick, tick. And the door opens. And Nari, on the other side, you can see it opens up into this room. There is light in this room. Let me describe the room before anything else happens. This room's about 25 feet by 25 feet. And it looks like... Um, There is a door. You're coming in from the east side and there's a door on the south side. Now, straight ahead of you, literally right in front or right on the other side of the door, there is a ladder that goes up onto basically like some wooden platform that then goes around the outside of the room. And you can see, so this is on the, on the kind of the, the northeast corner and on the southwest corner, as this platform kind of wraps around, it goes around from the north east to the northwest and then down to the southwest corner there's another ladder which is actually very close to the southern door but this room just looks like it's wide open um, except for this kind of scaffolding that goes around uh around the outer edge and nari you are standing in the hallway looking in and that is what you see um one other thing that you do here you hear the sound of wind and not just like but like like blowing rushing um like wind blowing very very hard in this room so while while um jordan and i are at back at the um the inn i think that we can provide some of those wind sound effects while you continue ready jordan (laughs) oh fantastic I fully expected you to pass wind. (laughs) (laughs) So just loop that. (laughs) Yes, Abby, that's what wind sounds like. Good job. (laughs) Wow. Nari, you are facing this room. What are you going to do? Nari will turn to Roos and say, well, friend, do we want to uh, step into this? It, It seems like this might be the destination we were trying to be warned away from. Yeah, I think there's something important here. And if it's at all related to the Ormex that Amarok was following, I think I think we need to press on. 
uh, Nari is going to take Reese by the elbow and then step step into the room with him. All right. So at this point, you're standing basically in the if we're talking about like squares, like five foot squares, you're in the five foot square that has the ladder that goes up to the scaffolding. You're kind of in the northwest corner of this room. I think like stepping in is kind of going to be kind of going to be the first step and just like making sure nothing crazy happens to us. When you step in, you can actually feel like some of the residual wind, but it feels like there is a very strong wind that blows from the west to the east, um, but it is not hitting you. You're kind of feeling it kind of bouncing off the wall. It feels like the wind is just slightly south. And there's this kind of this weird kind of column of wind that blows from the west to the east, um, just south of you in this room. Like the southern half of the room has this wind that's whipping across the room. I think we should definitely uh, go up these stairs to uh, try to avoid that. Okay, I'll follow your lead. Okay, now you recognize that as you go around the room, um, that there will be a point when you are on the um, on the western wall that there's a good chance that you will be in the path of the wind. Just Just a heads up. I mean, we were going to be in the path of the wind no matter what, so we might as well use the tools available to us. Fantastic. So you climb up the scaffolding, and Roos is following behind. Okay. Very good. Um, Nari, you are now up on the scaffolding. What are you going to do? I'm just going to keep walking forward slightly carefully, but... All right, you take. Uh, you, you walk five feet. Nothing happens. I'm watching your token to see what you're doing. <laughs> I'm going to keep going forward. This is an audio medium. But yeah, I, I, I'm watching Nari's token just kind of just inch along. But the problem is, is that Nari takes the next five feet step and I need her to make a dexterity saving throw. I'm so sick of these saving throws. 19. 19. As you step on the platform, suddenly you feel like it is not there. You realize that this section of platform was an illusion, but you managed to leap across just in time below you. What you thought was scaffolding actually disappears, and there is another pit um, under there with spikes sticking up. Uh, it looks like this one, very similar to the one that you already fell in outside. But now that you've jumped over it and uh, Roos saw your foot go through it, um, he actually is now aware of this pit as well. You're welcome, Roos. Uh, there's a, a trap there. <laughs> Would you like me to go first on this? I might have a little bit better chance of at not falling. You know, that's fine. Uh, should we maybe like tie a rope to ourselves so that way you and I can, if one of us falls, we can at least like pull the other one up? And by that, I mean, you should go first and then I, if I need to pull you up, I can. Yeah, no, I've got a rope. I'll throw it to you if I fall in. And then so Roos will shimmy past Nari and, and take the lead. All right, you guys have made it to kind of the northwest corner of this room on this scaffolding. Now the scaffolding heads south, which will take you right into the path of this wind that is blowing from the west to the east. Careful, this could be dangerous there's a good chance it might knock you off of this scaffolding. Like you don't need to make an insight check. That is a very real possibility. And can you guess what your strength save will need to be in order to not get blown off? Okay. But to be fair, like 
how how much is that going to hurt us if we're just falling off from like the scaffolding? And the scaffolding is like, you know, eight, nine feet up. It's going to be a D6 of bludgeoning damage is all. Yeah, that's fine. And it is going to need to be a um, strength saving throw. Great. I went all confident because I thought it was going to be dex. Difficulty 16. I'm so bad at this. There's no way. I got an 11. You are tied on. I will give you advantage. You can do it. I still got an 11. You can't do it. <laughs> here's, here's what's going to happen. Because you are tied on, Roos, you go blowing off. This wind starts to blow you 15 feet towards the um, eastern edge of the room, back towards the door where you came in. Nari, you are tied off. There's about five feet of rope between you. Nari, I need you to make the strength save with disadvantage as Roos's body is trying to tug you off and the wind is blowing uh, very hard against you. <laughs> Heck. Look, Nari, I'm a kite. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing our best here, but I still got an 11. Nari, as Roos falls off the platform because the wind is blowing so hard, um, the rope uh, goes taut. You are also pulled from the scaffolding and you guys tumble 15 feet back to the east, kind of back towards where the door was, um, where you entered the room. This is not ideal. And you land on the stone floor as it actually is not really there. And you tumble into a pit. You do not get to make dexterity saves this time because you uh, failed your strength save and you're kind of rolling around on the ground. And you both will take three bludgeoning damage. That was pretty terrible. And 13 piercing damage as you land on the spikes in the 15 foot deep pit. Ouch. That is 16 damage total. Well, let's climb out of this and let's, let's get this whole thing over with. I'll say that with your guys being able to like help each other out, like climb on each other's shoulders and things, it's not a problem. Climb each other's shoulders. You mean I do like one of those cheerleading squats and then throw Roos into the air. Yeah. Nari's the one that lifts me. And then he like with his like dexterity does a couple flips. <laughs> Roos gets out of the pit and climbs on the south side, just barely out of this wind tunnel. So he's not going to be knocked around by it anymore. As he goes to work on this locked door and Nari manages to pull herself out as well. And Roos, you, uh, well, actually not you, Gigi gets the door open and you can see a hallway heading to the south. It looks, um, there is this dense, dense fog um and it heads to the south let's let's keep going i think we're almost through this yeah i'm following you this time Bruce will continue on meanwhile back at the end so then i have all of these hoses that are like taped together and like i'm pushing everybody back from the force of the water coming out of the hoses and the whole time i'm yelling i'm yelling surge and they have all these Household objects they're using as shields. It was a riot. Wow. With all the hoses, too. Right? That is <laughs> amazing. Roos, as you get about halfway down this hallway, it's about 25 feet before you can see at the other end there is another door. Um, you get about halfway down and you hear a voice, again, coming from the wall, right next to your ear, and it says, Last chance, continue on and die. 
And then as you move past, Nari, you hear the exact same thing from the exact same spot on the wall. And you are now down at this door at the southern end of this hallway. Eat my shorts. (laughs) (laughs) Roos will pull Gigi out and try and have her pick the lock. I didn't roll well. I got a 14. 14. Um, That is not enough. Gigi gets in there and starts making some noise. The lock starts to jiggle and stuff, and then Gigi kind of flutters back to you. Looks Looking a little bit tired. You you probably, when you fell in the pit, you probably squished Gigi a little bit. So um, she is not quite up for it. So it looks like it might be Nari's turn to knock down another door. Yeah, Rus will step back. Hell yeah, Nari's gonna just elbow that down. Um, as you switch places, Nari starts slamming against the door. And as you start slamming against the door, you hear a voice coming from behind the door. It sounds very similar to the voice you already heard in the hallways that told you to turn around and that if you continue on, you'll die. And um, you, the voice says, it says, Surge! And then he comes out with a bunch of hoses. <laughs> the voice says, go back or you're dead. Did you hear that? I did. We haven't died yet, so I think we can keep going. I think we only have one option as Nari, like, barrels into the door. You um, hit the door repeatedly over and over and over again. Nothing happens from the other side of the room until finally you manage to bust this door down. (gasps) Oh, Oh, hi. (laughs) (laughs) nari you bust this door down and what you see in front of you is kind of a shock you you kind of tumble into this room as the door goes flying you see this room is about 25 feet by 25 feet and you can see all along the western wall are deacons and they are all sitting against the wall it looks like powered down you can see that one of them the one kind of in the middle um there is a small uh, as small as a uh, you know as a uh, relative word there is a crystal about the size of like a baseball um and it is red and you can see it's hooked up to some kind of a like a metal like a metal apparatus, almost like a cup. And there is a wire, a conduit that is going and snaking from that crystal into that deacon. And that deacon, you can see the eyes are glowing red, um, but very, very faint. On the south wall, you see two more deacons that look like they are against the wall. They are powered down. And next to one of the deacons, you see a kind of a middle-aged woman with red hair and glasses as well as fox ears on top of her head she is wearing a cloak she has a gun aimed at you nari and she says i don't know who you are but you can't have them and that's where we're going to end for tonight Ooh, you gotta stop having such cute people (laughs) (laughs) oh man well this is not how i expected today to go but what a great time i do love playing DD with you guys this was a fun one you guys got to go through this uh this uh haunted house this kind of uh this fun house full of traps and and uh and puzzles and things 
Yeah, fun, fun. Yeah, Ryan and Ebby are just chilling back, um, eating some food, drinking some beers, sh- swapping some stories as Nari and uh, Roos have stumbled upon something, uh, I think probably unexpected. Ebby is going to be so impressed when we come back with this many deacons. <laughs> <laughs> and Kira's going to be so jealous when I come back with a foxy girlfriend. Like, uh, like on, it's working out well for me. <laughs> All right, you guys. Well, hey, go join our Discord. You can talk about this episode in the uh, spoiler zone. Uh, you can ask us questions. You can, uh, you know, send us some memes or some artwork, whatever. It's a great time. Uh, we're on there quite a bit, and we love to talk with our fans. Otherwise, go check out our Patreon. Don't forget, Fanex is coming up uh, relatively soon. We will all be there, um, all of us in one place on that Saturday. And so that should be a great time as well. Anyway... Until we get together next time, we hope you have a fantastic time.